Brought to you by Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, investing in local communities, economies, and a sustainable future. That's the power of global connections. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated. Member SIPC. Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen with David Gura. Daily, we bring you insight from the best of economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg. David Gura in New York with Tom Keene. This is Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. A couple years back, I was on a reporting trip to Athens. There was a protest on my final night there. Parliament was debating. Crowds gathered in Syntagma Square, and toward the end, a few homemade gasoline bombs were thrown. I gather the same thing played out last night in Athens as parliamentarians debated another round of austerity measures. Great pleasure to have with us here in our Bloomberg 1130 studios, George Papa Constantino, the former finance minister of Greece. Get us up to speed on what's going on here. We're looking at a Eurogroup meeting, I gather, today or, or tomorrow this week, uh, in which uh, the next round of this is going to be discussed in, in more detail. Where do things stand with the Greek economy at this point? Good morning. Yeah, we are up for, to, for another Eurogroup meeting. Um, it will basically conclude that the conditions are there to, to disperse the loans for Greece. Uh, this is following the passing in legislation this week with all the necessary measures, the fiscal measures. Mm. Uh, so what remains in the next step and the interesting step, so to speak, is the discussions uh, uh, within the meeting and also outside it between the IMF and Germany on debt relief. Because everyone recognizes that you need some debt relief for Greece to be able to to grow, basically, and clear the clear the uh, the, the the sky a little bit for for uh, as you move forward. So, th- the the conditions for debt relief are going to be discussed. It's clear that there will be no decisions for immediate implement implementing for immediately implementing mm-hmm. debt relief, the, but the parameters will be set to have debt relief after this program finishes in the summer of 2018. Once that's done. That's the trigger for the ECB to then include Greece into its quantitative easing program and for Greece to then go back into the markets for the first time since 2014 and start a process of normalization, which uh, will allow it to not be completely out of the woods, but at least, you know, spreads will tighten. And and uh, after the, the, the program finishes, we can have a some light follow-up arrangement, like a credit line, so mm. to speak, but start finding yourself in the markets again. Help me understand the, the, your sense of the sustainability of what the Eurogroup president proposed this morning, a, a primary surplus of 3.5% for, for five years. Is that something that you think is sustainable? Look, it's can we do a primary surplus of 3.5? Yes, we can. Mm-hmm. Is it a good idea? No, it's not. Uh, I think there the IMF is right. It's too high. Uh, the only reason why it is there is because it uh, reduces the, the need for uh, deeper debt relief and therefore makes uh, Germany happy. Uh, at least um, Jerome Deinzebloom is not proposing the original yeah. idea, which was 10 years yeah. of, of 3.5%. So I, maybe it, the minister can help us, David. You went to Athens here recently. Is it Hydra or H- H- H-Y-D-R-A? 
It's Hydra. Hydra. That's right. David, we need to do a remote with the, the finance minister from Hydra. I'd be happy to do that. That was where Sophia Loren did that movie uh-huh. a million years ago. It's like it's like the the it's like beyond gorgeous is what I wonderful. I you were with the London School of Economics. Paul DeGuar is there right now, and he agrees with you. There must be a debt workout. Why do the elites of Central Core Europe not want to do what you want to do and what Paul DeGuar wants to do? Because it's called politics. Mm. Because Isn't it just they don't want to open up their wallet well, it's and a combination move the duration out? It's a combination of things. I, I think there's there's a deep-seated kind of um, uh, resistance to uh, to debt relief because it's hard to sell to the, their uh, local constituencies and taxpayers. It's clear well, when we're talking debt relief, we're not talking nominal haircuts because it is a, this is money lent by the official sector now. And so you can't tell the taxpayer, well, you know, sorry, we told you we're lending Greece, but we're going to get the money back. You know, guess what? We're not. It will be extending the the, the maturities, uh, longer grace periods, and hopefully also locking in lower rates. Uh, so, so that part is that. And part is that they're not trusting the Greek political uh, elite and the Greek political system. And that's why... Any kind of debt relief is going to go hand in hand with conditionality, uh, with a, an assistance that Greece continues well, to do structural reforms for some time. That's the time we have. Th- thank you so much for coming. We could go on and on. Please don't be a stranger. We'll do that remote. We're going to we're going to get to the islands. Either it is. Thank you very much, <laughs> David. Get us out of here, and I need to do a data check. Unfortunately, yeah. we're moving. Great pleasure to have George Papakonstantino with us, the former finance minister of Greece, joining right. us in our Bloomberg eleven three zero studios here in New York today. Decisively. The curve is flattened below where we were November 8th. We have had a full circle on the November 8th Trump trade, if you will, for the president. Not all because of the president, but we had a steeper yield curve, enthusiasm about fiscal policy. And at 96 basis points, we are decisively below where we were the evening of that election. Worldwide, this is Bloomberg. Chris Crisanti yeah. with us, who owns like next to no stocks. He's like really a focus portfolio. Is Alphabet, as I hate to call it, is Alphabet part of your, your <laughs> wisdom? It is not, Tom. Although Apple is. Apple is one of our largest positions, mostly because it's gone up so How do you do that? This is, you know, we're coming up on the CFA exam, so we get a little <laughs> wonky. It's like a daily May, visit here on this, in yeah. The, in the June. Chris Crisanti, what do you do when you go in with a 3 or 4% position, and heaven forbid you're successful, sure. and it becomes a 7% position? Well, well the 3 what or 4 do you do? is small for us, Tom. I mean, our average position yeah. size is 5 or 6%. So you we five we or six cut it off at nine. 10%, Tom. So we Ten. won't go over double digits. But for Apple, it may Made sense value-wise. It was X cash nine months ago now, uh, less than ten times earnings. It, 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 it checked all the boxes. So what do you do with the funds? You, you sell Apple when you get up to ten percent coverage. Do you say, hey, that worked out? Let's find something the same. How do you find the next value, the next Apple? Well, when you have the luxury of only owning eighteen stocks and you're only buying four or five a year. Um, it, it's really a one-off. We're not saying, oh, let's go into this field, let's go into that. We, we're looking at the numbers are each individual company. So that's a, a real luxury, and our clients have are not expecting quarter-by-quarter results to beat the S&P, but over a long period of time, we had a lot of value. Give us a, a sense of, of what you think happened yesterday. Yes, the story continues to evolve uh, and undulate, uh, but we've had a lot of uncertainty, and a, a lot of these stories pop up over the last 100-plus days. What was it about yesterday that, that spooked the market? Sure, the no, no, no. I think it's a... I, I, 
David, I think it's a significant event because for the first time since the election, after all these crazy things from the White House, we finally got something that bled over into the market. Now, is it a seminal event? I don't think so. So everyone's talking impeachment. Everybody's talking the president is mortally wounded. We don't believe that's true. The Republicans still control both houses of Congress. The president still has enormous leverage under our political system. Once we stop talking about independent counsel for a moment and then start talking again about regulatory reform, tax reform, I think you'll see the market start to rebound. I don't think – I think this is a blip not a uh, a reversal. How much do you allow yourself uh, as an investor to be swayed by sentiment? It seems like yesterday was, at least in part, a sentiment-driven event. I I think it's almost entirely Uh a sentiment-driven event. In fact, I think moments like that where the VIX spikes 20 or 25 percent in a day, those are the opportunistic moments rather than the moments to head for the the sidelines. And I'm not talking about, you know, buy speculative stuff, but when you get a Wells Fargo or a Schlumberger that that are trading near their cycle lows, the the panic of yesterday would be a good time and maybe the panic of today too. Was Was it a good time to buy? Where did you see the opportunity yesterday? We did buy some more Wells Fargo yesterday, uh, for example. I think uh, the Premier Bank, I think over the next 10 years, if you pull back the lens and think broadly, we're going to banks are going to be doing more banking and less investment M&A stuff over the next 10 years. And Wells Fargo uh, is perfectly positioned for that. We talked about Walmart earlier, which tw- 10 years trailing 7 point something percent per year. I'm just going to call it a mediocrity mm. just as a general statement. What sticks out like a sore thumb is they've got the cash flow of an island nation. Right. And I don't believe they're giving it to shareholders. Am, am I too harsh? Well, you know, one, it's the law of large numbers. It's, you know, seven That's, point something percent yeah. for such a big company ain't bad. Um, but the second thing is, wow, talk about competitive challenges, uh, obviously from Amazon, but from other places as well. We have a German uh, a discount grocer coming into the market right now, et cetera, et cetera. They may be conservative and hoarding their cash because they see things that you and I aren't seeing right now. I, I'll go with that, but come on. Well, we, we're, Chris Grisanti with us, with the Grisanti Capital uh, Management. And I guess I don't want you to comment on the tweet, Chris, but I do want you to comment on the effect of Washington – Upon market animal spirit, forget about nominal GDP, just the enthusiasm and confidence of the markets. Well, it's funny. I'm reminded eight years ago, every time during the financial crisis when Obama would get on TV, the market would start to, you remember this, go down 100, 200 points. And and every time I see one of these tweets, especially now that we're in the firestorm, uh, I I almost said on television this morning, Tom, that that at least we haven't had a tweet. Maybe Uh he's gotten some religion. And of course, I was 45 minutes too early thinking that. You Um, failed. Right. Never have my why you. That's it. Grisanti's done. And and what the market cares about, obviously, is not Trump. It it cares about tax reform. cares about regulatory relief. And and just this gets in the way. And so what we're hoping for is, is it too much to ask for 12 hours of radio silence of Paul Ryan leading with tax reform instead of independent counsel? I think he would prefer that uh, as well. Mr. Ryan would prefer that. Get your Very sense much. of the uh, the economy right now. Let's move away from, from politics. When you look at the fundamentals, how this U.S. You'd economy is performing. You never think with the market yesterday yeah. and today that things were you know quite as good as they are. You have ISM numbers that are in the mid-50s. You've got corporate profits that are beating estimates in the first yeah. quarter. Yeah. And, and, and you've got things accelerating. So we're actually excited. We're buying high-quality names at the sell-off discount prices of yesterday and perhaps today. So mm. I'm looking forward to this being an opportunity as we get to the kind of long schlog of the methodical and thankfully quiet work of the independent counsel. 
let's dovetail the, the, the two of these things. Uh, there was a time right after the election when people were buying stocks based on where they thought the, the, the new administration was going to go. Sure. When you look at tax reform, regulatory reform, health care reform, um, dovetailed with, with where the economy is today, are there opportunities there still in terms of what you think the, the legislative priorities are in, in Washington? Are there I things that you think, think are attainable? So, David, because what I think has happened is starting yesterday, uh, the market seems to be discounting no tax reform. And, no. and, and it's going to be a tough slog. Believe me, it's an uphill fight, even though the Republicans have both houses. But it's, there's not a zero chance. They, they, you know, I'm thinking 50-50, especially on corporate tax reform, it may be better than 50-50. So if we get something like that, there are a number of companies in everybody's portfolio that will benefit to the tune of 10 or 20 percent earnings growth without doing a thing from corporate tax reform. So we're hopeful that that comes back to the headlines rather than all this stuff. You, you like Mylan, and I love the, uh, <laughs> the, the rationale you give. We love a company with low expectations. Sure, sure. No, the, Mylan is the Theresa May of the stock uh-huh. market. Uh, you, you come on, you see Mylan, you're not thinking that things are going to be very good, and they surprise you on the upside. So what Mylan has against it is a tough headwind in generic drugs this year and next year. It's sold off more than 50%, but what people don't think about is it's one of the two or three big companies that has the wherewithal to really uh, genericize these blockbuster drugs, which is going to cost a lot of money. And over again, mm-hmm. remember, our time period is four to five years. We're thinking this is where healthcare is going. And Myland is, is right there at the intersection. Oil. I want to go into oil, which has been range bound with a sogginess to it. Right. 4841 on IMEX. I mean, the hydrocarbons have a life of their own. How do you deal with that? You know, you take the long view, Tom. I mean, it's very What's your long view on the big ones? It's positive on oil, especially on the bigger ones, because the bigger ones, they've done the investing, the 10 years worth of investing to to drill deep holes in the water or in cold areas, and now they're finally going to get the cash flow from that. But all the companies, because of the oil crash over the last years, have underinvested. So we're going to start to run out, whether it's the end of this year, whether it's two years from now. Four or five years from now, that price is going to be higher. Uh, Chris Cassanti, thank you so much. We need to go back to Martin Schenker, who's given us terrific uh, perspective in uh, Washington of his work over decades with Bloomberg News and, of course, with the Wall Street Journal as well. Brought to you by Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, dedicated to bringing our clients insights and solutions to meet the challenges of a transforming world. That's the power of global connections. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated member, SIPC. There's something new from Bloomberg. It's called Lens. Starting right now, you can use the Bloomberg iOS app off your iPhone or iPad or our new Google Chrome extension to read any news story on any website, scan it, and then instantly see the news story's relevant market data from Bloomberg. In addition, see all the bios of the key people mentioned in the story. It's called Lens, and it is just that, a lens into the people and the data of any story you may be reading. Again, Lens brings you the power of Bloomberg's news and data. Download our iOS app or search for the Bloomberg extension at the Chrome store to try Lens out. Learn more at Bloomberg.com lens. 
Let's go to Greg Vallier now. He's the chief global strategist at Horizon Investments. He joins us. Always valuable to check in uh, with Greg, get a sense of what's going on in Washington, the pulse of Washington. We're looking at some tweets fired off by the president this morning, one of which reads, this is the single greatest witch hunt of a politician in American history. That comes after the assistant, the deputy attorney general yesterday named a special counsel to look into Russia's involvement in the U.S. presidential election. That's Robert Mueller, the former director of the FBI, former uh, of counsel uh, at Wilmer Hale. Uh, Greg, great to have you with us. Uh, what changes here now that we've seen the president weigh in? There were a few hours of quiet in which we were processing what has happened and what was going to happen. What's changed because right. of these tweets? Well, I tell you, David, I think as usual, it's indiscreet and uh, complicates things to have the president already criticizing this process. So I, I don't think he helped his cause. And as we all know, self-inflicted wounds is one of his specialties. You wrote about loyalty yesterday and this president's relationship to loyalty. We were talking with Marty Shanker, our senior executive editor for government and economics, a few minutes ago, and I asked him about uh, the short love affair this White House had with Rod Rosenstein. Last week, a lot of praise for him, career prosecutor, longtime public servant. Uh, it seems now with these tweets, the president has turned on Mr. Mr. Rosenstein. What does that say to you about loyalty in this president? Well, he demands it, but he doesn't give it. Uh, there's been stories for the last week or so that he's dissatisfied with virtually everyone at the White House, including Jared Kushner. So if, if he now is feuding with all of his subordinates, that just makes them even less inclined to support him. Yeah, uh, this is fascinating. We've got an extended time with Mr. Vallier this morning, which is always a good and beautiful thing. We're going to stay in the theme of the moment, and then I want to go forward to the midterm elections in our next section with Mr. Vallier. Uh, Greg, as always, you lead your notes strong this morning with Horizon on the Vice President of the United States. Who is Mr. Pence, the former governor of Indiana, and because of who he is, how does he adapt to this? Well, Tom, first of all, he is the anti-Trump. Uh, Low-keyed, modest, doesn't brag, uh, monogamous, deeply religious, uh, altar boy in his youth. So from that standpoint, he's different. From a policy standpoint, he's more traditionally a Republican, pro-trade, pro-business. Uh, I, I think that the Republican base could very, very much get along with a President Pence, as would the markets. What is Pence's relationship with the White House? We have Mondale, we have other vice presidents, Mr. Biden, obviously. How do you fit Mike Pence into the day-to-day -day grind of the Trump White House? Well, I think he's one of the survivors, obviously. He fits in pretty well. He has great contacts on the Hill, gets along with Paul Ryan, uh, Paul Ryan and others. So I, I think he, he does fit in. And This is someone who's got a lot of experience as a member of the House, as a governor. And uh, I, again, in so many respects, Tom, he's the anti-Trump. Let me add, you mentioned the, the discord within the, the inner ranks of, of this administration, the president preparing to take his first trip Overseas, a number of the men and women you mentioned will be accompanying him on that that trip. How is the uh, discord that we've seen in Washington over these last few days going to come come with him to Europe and to the Middle East, or or will it? Are they content to leave it behind? Well, I think it'll it'll follow him. Uh, and knowing Trump, and I mean, let's face it, guys, for the last couple of weeks has been a bombshell every day. Sometimes two bombshells 
every day. This morning, there's new reports about from Reuters about contacts with the Russians. So it, it's 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 an ongoing uh, drama. For me, guys, I think that the big story is going to be uh, his talks with the Israelis. There are a lot of pro-Israeli folks that I've talked to recently who were concerned by what he told Abbas the Palestinian leader a few weeks ago. Uh, will he yeah. do things that could make the Israelis nervous? Jesus Ford, Greg Dorn, next section. Can the Republicans lose the House in the midterm? They could. I think the odds slightly favor them keeping the House. They'll, they'll keep the Senate yeah. for sure. Greg Vellier joins us. He is from New Hampshire. Greg, when did you first learn about Mr. Ailes? Was it with Nixon or was it a campaign after that with Lee Atwater? Well, yeah, during those days, he was a fascinating and polarizing figure, and he continued to be one for the rest of his life. I mean, a, a, a dramatic impact on all of us who are uh, in this industry. How associated is a Republican Party that you follow every day? We were going to talk about the midterms, which was his bellywhack uh, years yep. ago. Um, how how Roger Ailesy is the GOP right now? Well, I think he is one of the architects of the agenda, much more combative, far less conciliatory, uh, real, really going after issues with a, a ferocity that we hadn't seen in previous decades. When you look at the, the midterms, and indeed we are still a few months out from, from them taking place, yeah. what is what we've seen over the last week in terms of how lawmakers on Capitol Hill have regarded and positioned themselves relative to the president tell you about how they'll do that going into the midterms? Is this the president they want to continue to affiliate themselves with? For now, I, I don't see a total rupture, but, you know, the, the old cliche is a, a week is a lifetime in politics, and, you know, the fall of 2018 is a long, long way off. So, you know, things things could change. I, I do think if, if the new special prosecutor it gets more bombshells, if we hear more about Trump and Russia, you will see a lot of Republicans, yeah. especially in the North, uh, abandon him. Not that I would ever correct Greg Villiers, but Mr. Gurr, I would suggest that a week is not a lifetime in <laughs> politics. It's more like three hours or trying yeah, to get exactly. to lunch. Yeah. David, please. Yeah. Greg, what are you looking for out of this trip that the president is going to take? Is, is the achievement going to be him successfully navigating these 10 days on the road, or is there a broader theme to the trip that he's about to take? Well, I tell you, excuse my French, but they just can't screw up. I mean, I think that's a low bar to clear, but that is something they have to avoid, any kind of flubs or faux pas, things like that. Beyond that, I would look at the Israeli talks because there's speculation that when Abbas, the Palestinian leader, was in Washington, Trump made him some assurances. And I think a lot of the pro-Israeli types are apprehensive about what assurances were given. Yeah. If we could get back to economics, thank you, folks. We get your emails about you know the news flow. Greg Vellier, our Vincent Del Judice has an important single sentence. The government also reports that the total number of workers on unemployment rolls dropped, falling to the lowest level since Watergate, 1973, in the week ending May 6th. This is two Americas, and yet your New Hampshire is in some ways flat on its back. How the polarity of our job economy is extraordinary. You know, I was in New Hampshire a couple of weeks ago. They've run out of workers. Everywhere you go, you see signs, help wanted. When I travel around America, Tom, I ask business leaders, what's your yeah. biggest problem? 
and they all unanimously say lack of skilled labor. Where's the wage growth, a wise one? Well, I think it's coming. It's t- it certainly has taken a while. But uh, if you're Janet Yellen, you've got to worry that by fall, they could be way behind the curve. Yeah. By fall, we yeah. could see wages really taking off, with the Fed still being maybe too accommodative. Yeah, Greg Vellier, thank you so much. We value your attendances with Horizon uh, Investment. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Subscribe and listen to interviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. I'm on Twitter at Tom Keen. David Gura is at David Gura. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio. Brought to you by Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, dedicated to bringing our clients insights and solutions to meet the challenges of a transforming world. That's the power of global connections. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated member, SIPC.